Hello, and thanks for joining us for the Education Doctor Radio Show. I'm your host, Dr. Pamela Ellis. The Education Doctor Radio Show is your family source for educational excellence. Our program is brought to you by Compass Education Strategies, where I'm the principal consultant, and our mantra is Access, Thrive, Graduate. You can learn more about our firm at CompassEducationStrategies.com. Thanks so much to everyone who is listening to our show today. We appreciate you taking the time to listen in. If you're listening to a podcast of this program, we also want to thank you for joining us. For future show updates and ongoing relevant education news, please join our Facebook community by searching for The Education Doctor, then clicking like. You can find us on Twitter at The Education Doc, and we're also on Foursquare, where you can see our tips to prep schools, colleges, and graduate schools around the country. We have a great show lined up for you today. When I worked in the private sector some years ago, there were a number of inventories, assessments, and other instruments to determine career choices. I actually use those tools to inform my positions within a company as well as consider career transitions. For those of you who have worked with my firm, you may know that much of my research interests have evolved around educational transitions, whether it's middle school to high school or high school to college. For students in middle school and high school, there are inventories, assessments, and the like to determine educational options. Interestingly, a tool that I used in the corporate sector is available and has been adapted for teenagers to use. And that instrument is the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. I use it for students in my practice because it's been well-researched over the years, it's reliable, and it has applications to professional careers as well as education. So my students may learn at age 16 that they're an ENTJ, and that can help them with the colleges they select or the careers they pursue later in life. So it's an instrument with long-term usage. Our guest today is the author of Find the Perfect College for You, Claire Law. She joins us to discuss her research on Myers-Briggs and how students can use this tool to inform the range of colleges that they have on, on their list. Our discussion is so timely because many high school seniors are now refining and finalizing the list of colleges where they will apply. Claire will give us her insight and practical tips that students can apply immediately to their list. Before we start, I want to make sure that our listeners have our contact information. Our email address is radio at compasseducationstrategies.com if you'd like to submit a question. Another method for you to ask a question or join the conversation is to call in directly to our switchboard, which is 714-333-3355. And I say it every week. Our switchboard is located in sunny Southern California, but I am broadcasting live today from Dayton, Ohio, and Claire is joining us from Charleston, South Carolina. So we'll take a quick 
break, and then Claire will come back to join us. So just a moment. I am back now to talk with Claire Law, author of Find the Perfect College for You. Claire, are you on the line now? Claire? Hello, Claire, are you there? Well, this is odd. I cannot hear her. Claire? Claire? Claire, are you on the line? How strange is that? So, let me see if I can... Call you right back. Okay, Claire? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, I can now. Yes. Wow, that's really strange that you could not hear me. Huh. No, I couldn't, and my heart is in my po- <laughs> in my stomach right now. But that's okay. I'm I thinking could hear like, you. Oh my goodness! This no, is I odd. could hear you perfectly, but obviously you couldn't hear me. Well, okay. um, I was saying I was agreeing with everything you said, and uh, especially with understanding your personality type through the okay. Myers Briggs type indicator or other assessments. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, I definitely can. So let's just back up a bit. I want to thank you for joining, <laughs> and I'm happy to have you on the show. I appreciate your time, Claire. So, Claire, can you start out by telling us just how you became involved in this research? Well, okay. I worked in college admissions prior to branching out as an independent educational college consultant, like you are, and it struck me that although I knew the colleges I worked at really well, I did not know all the other colleges out there and what made them tick. So I set out to examine other colleges through the lenses of my students' needs. How do my students learn? What is their learning style, their personality preferences? And so by looking at who were my students, what were their needs, and then matching them up with the colleges, I came up with uh, this, this formula, which I won't go into it, but it required a tremendous amount of research in terms of First of all, it requires that students know themselves and know their personality preferences, their, um, you know, their their interests, their um, lifestyle, and then it involves researching each college, poring over the college catalog and looking at how each department writes up their their classes. So, if a student is interested in biology, they need to read up the biology class descriptions from various colleges and they'll see quite a dramatic difference. The college that um, teaches by giving a step-by-step direction and giving facts first will value a student who likes to learn facts Mm. and likes to see something uh, that they're studying. They'd like to see tangible results for something they're studying. So, for example, the student who studies marine biology at a college, 
a college that's located on the ocean, and the students can go out there and collect water samples and marine samples and bring them back and test them. They can actually see experientially what they're learning. So a mm-hmm. sensing learner is likely to enjoy that. But right. then you have students who, you know, on at the opposite pole like to learn about conceptual things. They they get energy from their own ideas and they learn about anything they value. So mm-hmm. um, so they need to share that inspiration with others and so they may need a college that offers them a more flexible uh, campus and a more flexible and innovative setting where they have room to express their personality preferences. They're, right. They can discuss well, you their know, ideas. I want to go back, so. Claire, I want to go back to a couple of things you've touched on. You touched on, one, the importance of knowing yourself, which I mm-hmm. talk mm-hmm. with my students all the time about. Just it, The process really starts with knowing who you are, and then it becomes looking outward as to which colleges. But another thing that you talked about was just the importance of the research that's involved in terms of the list, because you were referring to it uh, with a student who may be interested in biology and actually seeing how those class descriptions work, are, are written, and how that can inform something about the college. But what I'd like you to step back in talk a little bit more specifically about is those different components of the Myers-Briggs. So it's E versus I, It's and there's the second letter. So if we can talk a little bit about that, I think that will help our audience as they consider what this all means. So can you talk a little right, bit about that? Right, right. Our audience may not may have heard of the Myers-Briggs type indicator, but they may not be intimately familiar with how the assessment works. And the the Myers-Briggs type indicator results indicate uh, a person's, an individual's four preferences. And, mm-hmm. and they are calculated um, along a scale of opposites or polarities. Uh-huh. So if... Uh, for example, what the first letter has to do with defining whether a person focuses their energy in the outer world of people and things or towards themselves, and we call that extroversion and introversion. So students mm-hmm. who prefer extroversions tend to focus on other people. They pay attention to the world on campus they're the people who go from party to party to party and they get energized by mm-hmm. uh by meeting other people and at the opposite uh end of extroversion is introversion where students who prefer introversion like to pay attention to their thoughts their feelings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and their impressions, and they're energized by that inner energy that uh, they get from experiencing uh, their inner world of ideas and concepts. And I so, like the way you term that in terms of where you get your energy, because I think that's one of the big misconceptions around what E and I really means. It's really about where you get your energy from, and not so much whether you're an outgoing or quiet person. Because I think sometimes when students 
feel like they get an I, but they know that they're an E, then it's they are, you know, think that it's incorrect. But it's like, it's no, it's a matter of where you get your energy from. So what about the second one, the N versus the S? Right, and that has to do with how you acquire or how you take in information. How do you become aware of concepts? So the sensing students at one end of the spectrum are aware of what is real and how things look, sound, and feel. So their senses tell them what is actually happening, the reality of a situation. So they focus on practical matters. And in college, they tend to like colleges where they can learn um, things that they can experience and they can apply. And so their typical fields of study may be uh, business, engineering, um, accounting, or banking, Even teachers can be sensing because, of course, a teacher in a classroom, in an elementary classroom, needs to know that she has enough pieces of paper and pencils for every child in the classroom. So that's a sensing function. Mm -hmm. Now, at the opposite pole of sensing is intuition. Mm -hmm. And intuitives become aware of the meaning of relationships that go kind of beyond what you can see. So they can, they're good at reading between the lines, and they right. can focus on patterns. Mm-hmm. They're, um, they focus on possibilities for the future. So they like to attend a college where they can talk about possibilities for the future or um, make connections between even seemingly unrelated topics. They could be majoring in English and psychology and mm-hmm. – see perfectly what the connection is between the impressionist movement uh, or the naturalists naturalist writers of you know the 18th century with what's going with, with what was going on in the field of psychology so you know something people, Claire, that that just reminded me of something when you were talking about that um, more disparate areas because mm-hmm. I wonder if I don't know if you're familiar with University of Southern California, but they actually have this, what they call, I think it's Renaissance Scholars, and those are students who major, double major in these disparate areas, and they provide scholarship money for them. And I was just thinking, I wonder if many of those students tend to be high on the end. I bet they would be. Isn't that an interesting observation? If we could survey them, I bet we would find that they are um, that they enjoy finding meanings and meaning and relationships that Mm -hmm. go beyond the information that is given. So, definitely. Now, remember that at times students can be sensing, and at times they can be intuitive. But Mm -hmm. fifty, if they Take in information via either their senses or intuition fifty one percent of the times then mm-hmm. we can they can they can say, "Okay, I am both, but I am sensing more often than in, than intuitive okay, you see what I'm saying because sometimes do. I do they're so evenly paired that they've that they've trouble selecting on which side they are. Right. Now, what about the T versus the F? Right. That third so the scale. And, 
Yeah, the third letter of the Myers-Briggs type indicator has to do with thinking and feeling and really describes how you make decisions. How do you arrive at conclusions? How do you make judgments? And so thinking uh, students prefer to decide things objectively based on facts, analysis, logical consequences, so they can they're very good at weighing the evidence in kind of a detached manner and all of our um system of law is based on fair justice and um kind of uh, logical consequences and uh, uh analysis mm-hmm. on the other okay. hand on the other hand the feeling preference student likes to decide by considering what is most important to them and to other people and to their friends. So their decision is based on subjective, person-centered values. So they, I like to think of feelers as deciding with their heart and thinkers deciding with their head. Right. So you might have a students in class who will vote for, um, you know, will vote to elect uh, uh, a student who is kind of like the mascot and makes everyone else feel comfortable in the class and this is her Mm -hmm. last chance of being nominated for an honor versus the thinking student who might say, well, that's good, fine, and dandy, but it just so happens that this other student put us on the map by uh, coming to every competition and giving us the largest number of answers, and therefore we're going to nominate this other guy. So that decision would be made on the basis of logic and analysis, and it would be based on uh, thinking. Right. So the fourth scale is J versus P? Right, right. And that has to do with how you relate to the outer world. How do you like to live your life? So J has to do with judging. And Mm -hmm. students who like, who prefer judging, they like um, an organized and structured world or campus where everything is spelled out, or a professor who tells you exactly what's expected of students. So Mm -hmm. they like to make decisions and then move on. So they like closure. They like to have Mm -hmm. things settled because to have things hanging in the line is just not comfortable for them. So that's Whereas, the P or the J that likes closure. That's the J. We're talking about uh-huh. the J. They like the destination is the goal. The goal is to right. reach that destination and close the door on it. So they they like to have things settled. Mm, now, talking about the per, yes, the perceiving type, the perceiving students want to adapt to the outer world. They go with the flow. The process is the journey. So they like to keep things open or whatever new experience or information that comes along, they like to keep it open. They'd rather know that, 
okay, they got a, a C on this paper, but there is an opportunity to, you know, do some more work for extra points, and therefore that could change, as opposed mm-hmm. to the judging preference student who would be, um, would not even think about adding to it. In other words, they would say, okay, it's done, it's a done deal, let's move on to the next thing. So, okay. so they're, so that judging and perceiving students are quite different. If, let's say, a judging preference individual becomes a roommate with a perceiving type student, the judging preference student will say, um, let's go and have lunch after our math class at 12. And the perceiving student will say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll meet you in the calf around 12. Notice around 12. For the yeah. perceiving type, it might be around 12, might be 11.45 or 12.15. But for the mm-hmm. judging preference individual, it's 12 on the nose. Right. <laughs> and so sometimes <laughs> there are misunderstandings between roommates because uh, they don't understand each other. And that's one of right. the biggest problems in college is getting along with your roommate. Exactly. I'm going to stop you right there, Claire, just to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want us to get more into talking about specific colleges. And so I'm going to take just a quick break, and then we'll come right back, okay? Sure. Okay, Claire, are you still there? Mm Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> so I'm still breathing now. You didn't drop on the call. I can hear no. you just fine. Oh, so that goodness. that was a scary moment earlier because I'm just like, oh my, oh goodness. my goodness. And there are actually people who are listening live, and I'm just like, oh no. So well, I anyway. could hear you perfectly, but I, I don't know why you couldn't hear me. Oh, that I was don't scary. Know what happened? But. I wanted to just get into talking about specific colleges, and I know that you have in your book researched the colleges thoroughly and described the different profiles that match with those colleges. Is there a college that comes to mind right away that we can talk about in real time so that families can see how this is applied? Okay, Um, well, we could pick any college of your choice, or we could pick um, a college that's nationally known. um, Go ahead. Well, I'm I'm thinking of University of Pennsylvania, which is one of the Ivies. Yeah, I mean, I think most people have heard of the University of Pennsylvania, but I think it's a unique college among the Ivies for a number of reasons. I'm actually glad you picked that one because I think that most people think of the Ivies as all being the same, and they they are not at all. And so I appreciate you choosing that one in terms of talking about just how different it is. Right, right. And the Ivies, you know, the higher up you get into academia, the more conceptual and idea-driven the education becomes and the less directed it is. So you are you are dealing in ambiguities a great deal and uh and researching maybe a very obscure subject or topic. Mm-hmm. So but the University of Pennsylvania I think is unique because 
it has such a predominance of sensing learners because I think that they like to teach something that can be applied, whether we're talking about the Kellogg School of Business, um, uh, no, no, not Kellogg, Wharton School of Business, sorry, I was yeah. thinking about Northwestern. Um, you know, the I, I think that they're thinking about how can you benefit society and um and and in fact i had a um a, a father who became um a client of mine in my practice with his daughter and he said that he visited brown university and was in, impressed with what he heard but at the end of it all he said well what kind of job can my daughter get when she graduates from here and mm-hmm. the tour guide said well job well, then for that, you'd have to go to University of Pennsylvania. <laughs> and I know. it was, And I said, she said that? And I think it's because at Brown University, the student who is valued is the student who is really going there for the love of learning and for the love of researching whatever they're passionate about and whatever they value. So right. they could be researching um, there, there are many classes in semiotics, which means they're studying disparate subjects. They could be mm-hmm. doing an internship in, in, you know, the backwoods of Australia and studying Aborigines uh, customs, and then, you know, de- breaking it down through the eyes of psychoanalysis, for instance. They would think nothing of that. They think that would be great whereas you will not see that kind of research going on at University of Pennsylvania. Why? Because uh, I think it goes back to the founder, Ben Franklin, who Mm -hmm. uh, in the 1700s wanted uh, an innovative institution that taught undergraduate students something that they could apply, something practical Mm -hmm. rather than something that was totally theoretical. He wanted to have students graduate with some skills and, and some ability to deal in realities and in the everyday life. So that exactly. while one Ivy is much more idea-driven and, and rich in concepts and great for the connected thinker, the University of Pennsylvania is innovative and is offering more of a more of a hands-on uh, practical education, whether it's uh, uh, pre-med or um, psychology or whatever, but it's not so um, idea-driven that you cannot really apply it to to reality and to your everyday world. I think that's a, a very good observation, and one of the things that then students um, – can tie that to in terms of the curriculum is that Brown doesn't have requirements from what I know about it. And so that speaks to that uh, idea-driven kind of institution where students can study whatever they want to study. They kind of create their own in a sense there, whereas at other institutions there are set requirements, set classes that you have to take. And as you've mentioned with Penn, Many of those things have uh, an under uh, an understanding of application as well with it. So I think that's uh, 
a really good observation. So we have actually run out of time. As I mentioned, <laughs> it was going to go by really fast. And so, Claire, I was just um, wanting to ask if you could please share how our listeners could stay in touch with you. I know you're on Twitter and you have a web address. Can you please give that to them before we close right, out? Right, right. Um, my web address is eduav, which are the first three letters of educational avenues, so eduedu-a-v-e dot com. And my Twitter uh, name is College Pros, P-R-O-Z at the end, College Pros. And, um, yeah, would love to stay in touch with your listeners, and thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. So that concludes our show for this afternoon. I want to thank you for joining us here on the Education Doctor radio show. We will continue to bring you information that's strategic and practical for your educational success. Please listen up to our announcement and stay in touch with us.